Welcome to Unwinding, a podcast that tells the human stories driving the minds and talents of the University of Kansas. In each episode, we explore a new topic of interest for a faculty member from a College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and learn what makes the heart of KU beat. Whatever the topic, Unwinding explores the fascinations and motivations that produce new discoveries. Unwinding is hosted and produced by Alex Folsom, the college's digital communications strategist. Welcome to another episode of Unwinding. I am still your host, Alex Folsom, and in this episode, we talk with Professor of Visual Art Yoon-Min Nam about her journey from South Korea to the U.S. and ultimately ending up at KU, how sustainability inspires her work as an artist, and remaining creative and focused during a time of uncertainty. We also get into how she encourages her students and how she has adapted to moving from a studio teaching environment to remote instruction during this time of social distancing. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play, and remind you that you can find us on social media at KU College on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the episode. All right, we have our guest with us today via Zoom, uh, Yoon, Professor Yoon-Mi Nam from the Department of Visual Art. Yoon-Mi, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. So give us just a little bit of background on yourself as an artist. Like, you know, what, how is your path from, you know, high school on through college and then ultimately deciding that you wanted to pursue uh, visual art at the level of teaching at a, a university like KU? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I don't know if I have um, a moment that I think was a moment that I realized this is what I was going to, going to do. I think um, it really happened gradually. You know, one thing um, led to another and led to another. And um, I've always had um, talent and passion and desire to do something creative. Um, and the kind of work that I do right now primarily is printmaking. So when I was little, I probably didn't even know what printmaking was. So there wasn't this kind of moment where I you know, wanted to be a printmaker, um, but I wanted to do something creative. Um, and I think um, I was fortunate that um, you know, my parents supported that and encouraged that. And I actually, I'm from um, South Korea and I did my undergraduate degree in Korea and then moved to the US. And in Korea, um, I think I was certain in high school that I wanted to go into um, visual art. Um, but I think I didn't really know all of the different kinds of art one could pursue. So I just kind of vaguely thought that I would be a painter because I think that's what we often think about when we think about an artist. Um, so I did, um, in, in Korea, you have um, this entry um, exam process where you actually have to um, draw and paint as part of an entry exam. Um, and I was training for that. And when it came to a point where I had to actually apply for a certain department, um, to be honest, at, at that time, I was still thinking that I would paint because I think that's the only thing that I knew. Um, but in South Korea, getting into a university is really competitive. Um, and there's a huge importance in you know, being accepted to a university um, and um, not having to um, 
you know, wait a year to get into that university that you want to. And I used to go to this um, private institution called Hagwon in um, high school to train for that um, entry exam process. And the director of that Hagwon, I think, advised me that um, painting department, oil painting department is very competitive. Um, but if you apply for a printmaking department, it's, I would have more chance to getting into this university that I wanted to get into. So actually the truth is that's why I applied for printmaking at that time. Um, but luckily for me, I think um, I really enjoyed all the different printmaking processes and it kind of um, opened up a, not, a, a new way of thinking about art making and different kind of challenges that I, I never um, um, thought about um, what, what art could be in different form. So, you know, that led to me completing a degree in printmaking in undergrad and then um, applying for graduate school in US. Um, I got my MFA from Rhode Island School of Design and that degree was also in printmaking, but it was also painting. Um, and so that's kind of the, the process, I guess, that I went through, you know, um, and how I, you know, now focus on um, printmaking as, a, as, as my creative um, endeavor. I think that's actually a, a really interesting point because of the, the few people I know who are in the visual arts or like really any kind of creative aspect of um, kind of the professional world, a lot of times their medium found them. They, you know, thought they were going to do something um, different and ended up realizing through circumstance that the thing they're doing now is what they prefer. So would you say that you kind of made the point that that's kind of how it was for you that it worked out that even though printmaking was more of the time seemed like a secondary choice, you actually prefer it? Yeah, yeah, and then actually, um, you know, I now do a lot of different things too. And just the, not just what I um, choose to express, um, you know, that's not the only thing that is important to me, but how. So if I have a certain idea, um, some idea might be um, make it would make more sense for me to use um, printmaking um, and specifically uh, woodblock printmaking or lithography. But if I have a, an idea that might be more effective if I use um, ceramics. Um, so the, the choice of the medium, so not just what, but how I express it, I think is an important part of the the um, art making process. So it kind of opened up a lot of possibility for me, just kind of thinking about ideas um, with different mediums. I think that's a really good point for, you know, anyone to kind of realize that, that you know, it, there's no reason to stick to just one thing if there's something you want to express. I think that's really cool. So what made you decide you wanted to study for your grad degree in the US? Um, I think I just wanted some, a different experience. Um, I did, uh, when I was um, little, I, um, my family moved to Canada and we lived in Canada for three years. So I, I have lived abroad when I was little. And I think um, that probably allowed me to think about the possibility of studying um, in another country and um, yeah, I just thought about after I got my um, BFA degree, I think like a lot of um, students who graduate, um, there's so much possibility of what kind of path, you know, one might take. And I tried a couple of different things and I had jobs doing this or that, but then I ultimately felt like I wanted to pursue um, 
art a little bit further, but I also wanted some kind of a change. So um, not really knowing exactly what that is, but yeah, I think I just wanted something different. So I applied to um, study um, abroad. And the reason that I um, think I decided to go come to US is because I, I spoke English already because I, I lived in Canada and that seemed um, logical and I looked at different art schools and um, fortunately got accepted to um, a school that I'm, I'm, I was really glad to um, study at. So yeah, just the, the, um, the change and I just wanted to kind of experience something different. Um, did you see a difference in, you know, the way that you will learn the craft when you came to America versus what you were learning in, in South Korea? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, in Korea, and I am, and this was a long time ago, so um, it's probably very much different now, but in Korea, when I started um, my degree um, in printmaking, um, technique was very much emphasized. So the, the mastery of technique, I think was one of the most important things. Um, and I really benefited from that. Um, but at the same time, when I moved to US, um, just this, you know, way of um, thinking about ideas and having um, critiques and having conversations about, um, you know, different ideas and concepts. And those are the things that were more emphasized in graduate school. Um, so I was able to, in some ways, kind of get the best of, I, guess, I don't know, both situations. Yeah, I um, you know, I think for a lot of students, just in general, you know, it's important to get um, kind of that to see things from different perspectives. And I would imagine, you know, moving not only from Korea to America, but then moving so far to the East Coast really mm -hmm. allowed you to to be in a different world. And do you think that helped you with your art? Yeah, I think you know, I think often artists kind of, um, you know their background and their experience, whether they do it um, very intentionally or not, is reflected in their work. So yeah, my work definitely, um, it may not um, be obvious visually, but that is something that I do think about a lot in the work that I make. I kind of want to talk about some of your work now. Um, you know, I saw, uh, a few of your pieces, your pieces on your website, and I've heard about your work uh, before and some of the stuff you do kind of playing around the idea of sustainability. Can you kind of talk through a little bit about um, some of your recent work, looking at, you know, the, the containers with which we put food in and those kinds of things and how there are these things that last a very long time, but we use them for such a short amount of time. I feel yeah. like it's a really interesting thing. And I want to kind of hear more about, you know, what, what you see when you look at those things and, and what you're trying to get across to us with that work you've been doing? So um, I'm very much interested in um, time and specifically when um, the things that are around me, when I notice when um, they seem to um, contain within themselves um, both um, fleeting or permanent nature of time, um, somewhat of a contradiction, a contradictory idea, but, um, and that's why I, um, when I notice that in um, a subject matter, so specifically maybe the ones that you're thinking about is my flower, arranged flower series where I, um, have been images of cut flower arrangements and the container that contained them are um, disposable containers. And those subject matters are chosen because of that idea where 
um, the cut flowers, both the cut flowers and disposable objects, I think are very interesting because they um, hold within them that contradiction. Um, you know, cut flowers are beautifully arranged and it is almost incredibly structured to create this kind of um, look as if they're, they've just, you know, naturally grew there, but they're already dead. And it's almost um, in the process of kind of creating this arrangement is also trying to make these dead flowers seem like they're, you know, trying to keep them looking alive as long as you can. And then the disposable containers um, are meant to be used once, but then often, you know, due to the, the material that is often get used, they last longer um, than their intended kind of usage. So these two objects um, are, as subject matters, I think, contain really interesting contradiction um, about time. Um, so that's, that's the reason that I'm kind of thinking about um, and using those as subject matter um, in my work. Um, yeah. I like the juxtaposition, juxtaposition of the two there, you know, the, this thing that you, you see is very beautiful and great, but as you say, it's already dead and the time it has, you know, that it's going to look beautiful is so short. And then on the other hand, you're putting in these containers that people see as discardable and trash, but those things are going to last much longer. I think that's a really interesting way to look at that. Yeah, and also some of the other things that I'm also thinking about in relation to what I was talking about earlier about how one's own experience and background kind of comes into um, one's own work is um, oftentimes the flowers that I reference in my work are um, referencing um, traditional Asian um, flower arrangements and also um, woodblock print, um, ancient woodblock printed books that depict um, these still life arrangements. And that's why often they're kind of depicted um, in, um, in monochromatic um, tonal um, um, silhouettes, as opposed to creating it, you know, with a full range of color um, and creating the disposable container um, with full range of color and dimensionality. And when the flowers meet the container, you know, you sort of sense this kind of um, sense of the, those two not quite existing in the same space or time because of the difference, uh, different way um, that I, I depict them. So the flowers, I'm kind of referencing more of the Asian tradition of um, representing objects in space and the containers, I'm thinking more about the Western way of depicting objects in space with, you know, full dimensionality and volume and, and, and um, color. Um, and so those are some of the things that I'm kind of thinking about um, in relation to my background as a person who sort of navigate between the East and the West and the two different cultures and how they kind of are both part of who I am and kind of exist in the same space while they also kind of seem like they, they don't um, um, belong together in the same space. So is that, um, you know, kind of feeling like you are a part of two worlds, but maybe not belonging in either one? Is that something that has kind of gone throughout your career as an artist? Yeah, I think so. I mean, both belonging and not belonging. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of the, experience that I have because I also lived in Canada when I was younger and just kind of going back and forth and as an artist I think I kind of um, interpret that in my work in the way um, the different um, eastern and western tradition of depicting space. Do you think it's important for you know younger artists or maybe even like your students or people who are just kind of trying to find their voice now to maybe take some of those steps to get out of the world they know and experience things that are new to continue to push themselves forward? 
Oh yeah, I, I do. I do very much. And um, I do um, take students abroad um, with a colleague of mine. Um, we, every other summer, we take students to Japan um, to do a, a study, a, a, a month long study abroad program. And I think that's so important that um, just to kind of put yourself in um, a place where the things that you just assumed were just, you know, normal or just the way things are, are um, challenged because everybody else does it differently. Um, and it's not, often it's not anything major, um, but often it's just the little things that you just take it for granted and you, you are put in this really uncomfortable um, place and just kind of noticing um, those things. And I think that's when you really, it, it offers an opportunity for you to really understand yourself much better. Can you kind of talk about, you know, your work with the idea of sustainability a little more? Yeah, um, and to be honest, um, the way I started working with um, the elements and the, the subject matter that I'm working with now, my, the, where I started wasn't from that idea. It was very personal. Um, it was something that I handled and it was part of my space, part of my interests, um, such as arranged flowers, um, like disposable containers and things like that. Um, in truth, it wasn't necessarily, I didn't start this body of work because of that idea of environment or sustainability. Um, it was more because of that idea of um, that sense of time that I noticed in these different objects. But I often get that question when I give an artist talk or I have conversations with people about my work. Um, so it really did make me think about that, um, even though that wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my initial intention when I started that work. And the way I kind of think about it now is, even though I didn't start my work thinking specifically about the environment or sustainability, um, it kind of, in some ways, reflects our um, current time and current situation because I am surrounded by these objects because I'm a person who lives in this time um, in this space where we have abundance of these um, disposable, you know, once used materials that get discarded um, that's not sustainable. And that is the reality of, I think, a lot of our um, contemporary lifestyle. So even though I didn't start this body of work um, with that idea specifically, I find it really interesting and also important that in some ways that it also um, brings that conversation into, you know, it, it brings that into the conversation um, in my work. I was kind of thinking about that same thing recently, you know, when people are talking about um, disposable gloves and, and using masks and those kinds of things now for it to remain safe. I was thinking about how, how many gloves we would have to go through if everyone was wearing them. <laughs> I just wanted to, I've been thinking about that too. It's just like, where there's so much uh, waste around that, but it's, it's so important, you know, because you have to keep people safe. And I understand that, but I was just thinking about these piles of used latex gloves that have to be everywhere. Yeah, and just to think about how, I think now they're talking about how they're running out of, um, you know, like things like swabs and things that to do testing. And it's just really mind blowing to think about that we're actually running out of those things and yeah. how much, how much, you know, are used. To uh, 
they're starting to run out of those um, things as well. But yeah, there are a lot of things that I think really because of the situation that we're in um, um, really highlights um, the things that we don't we didn't notice as much um, and really focuses our attention and you know yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could go on forever about it. I won't make you listen to me talk about it, but I definitely, I have noticed that too, just even in my own shopping habits and those kinds of things. Like, wow, I'm buying a lot of stuff that has packaging that doesn't need packaging or things like that. And it's interesting. It's an interesting time. It's definitely making me much more reflective than I've been lately. Yeah, I think that's also interesting too, because that's one of the things that I think about um, in my work, because I've become really more um, aware of things and just the design of these packaging, the way they are made and the way they are, the way they look because, you know, I have to draw them or I have to um, make a cast of them. So you, I sort of developed a different, more intense relationship with these objects. And I think it's really interesting because these are objects that everybody can handle. You know, it's not something that is unique or you know rare. Everybody has experience um, holding uh, open or getting food in um, deli container or something. But um, rarely you look at the form or the design of it. You know, carefully. Um, and I think it kind of relates to what you're saying that, you know, it's the disposable gloves didn't just get invented. Um, and we, I use it all the time in the shop to protect, you know, my hands from working in the shop, in the print shop, when I'm, you know, using oil-based ink and things like that. But you really notice things completely differently than you, when you're casually using it. Yeah, it's so interesting. So thank you for making me, letting me talk about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of in a, a weird place where everyone's kind of being forced out of their comfort zones or even if they're being forced to stay inside, you know, routines are changing. Um, do you have, you know, any thoughts on a way that someone as an artist or a creative can maintain that sense of wanting to create in a time where things are so uncertain? Yeah, that's a hard question because I think I think I myself is struggling and just kind of trying to figure out. Um, and I think it just, it takes time and I'm kind of, um, you know, the first couple of weeks, um, you know, you kind of create a situation and a routine. Um, and I think that is important to kind of figure out um, a routine or a situation where it could really support the way you work and that's kind of that could be having a studio um, in your house or for some people having a studio somewhere else so you have to go somewhere to kind of both mentally and physically be in another space so you kind of create that kind of environment for yourself um, to be really effective um, and to be able to um, create and, and work well. Um, and I just, I think I trust that, um, you know, it may take time and I'm kind of working through it as an artist myself, having to kind of work in my house where it's not really set up to, um, be my studio and I can't access a lot of the equipment that requires that, that I, I need like um, printing presses or you know ventilations and or um, um, space and um, and with you know ceramic works for example having um, kilns and things like that but you know there are ways that um, you can um, work through this process and this I think it just takes time and you know you'll we'll just all figure it out eventually and kind of make it work 
in in the way in this in in this situation that we have right now. Are you finding that you know your students are still able to connect with you the way you would like, or you know how are you, how are you as a I guess what I'm trying to get across is how are you and um, your students adjusting to you know not being able to be in the same spaces and to really get a look at the work that you're doing. Yeah, or doing it's, I should say. It's really hard because especially with studio classes, big part of the big at least for me, big part of the studio classes that we have is the community. And even if we're um, just working, um, you know, we may not be talking, but there's a lot of observations that happens, just seeing other people work, how they do things. Of course, there are a lot of collaborative elements. We work together, we figure things out together, we have conversations. There's a lot of things that just happen spontaneously just because you know we're working together and we're while as we're working alone, we're making discoveries and sharing that discovery and figuring things out together and sharing ideas. And, um, you know, there are some really great tools now, you know, technology that is making this online transition a little bit easier, mm -hmm. um, but it still is not the same, you know, as just being in that physical space together and um, just letting things kind of um, happen organically. So, you know, thinking back to a time when you could have students in, in your studio space, you know, what, what's kind of your process for fostering, you know, the growth of your students in the classroom? Is there something that you do that you feel like allows them to be the artists, the best artists that they can be, or, the, you know, maybe not, or to learn those techniques, but still foster the, the individuality that they have in themselves? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I I, I really um, try to communicate um, is in in my class is that each one of them are active participants in this community, not just coming to the classroom and to the studio to passively just take what is offered to them, but they have um, responsibility. To contribute to the community, whether that's a question that you know that they ask or um, discoveries that they make, um, and I think that creates um, um, you know a, a, a space that allows them to make discoveries together, and I think that's that's something that I think is one of the most important thing about the studio space and studio space as a community. You know, um, what, what is your, what is, what classes are you currently teaching? I'm sorry, I had it written down and I cannot find it. Can you remind yeah. me? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm currently teaching lithography. Okay. Which is, um, which really, uh, heavily depends on the equipment that's in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the thoughts that I have right now um, is probably influenced by what I'm teaching right now. Um, and I think like, I think um, if I were to think about potentially designing uh, a long distance online class, it would be a different class. Um, um, the way this class is, is very much about being in that space and working together with the equipment and facilities that we have. Um, so it, it had to evolve into a different class a little bit while trying to still maintain the, the, the essential content of what they um, should try to learn in, in lithography. But, um, I think it, it essentially had to um, transform into something that's a little bit different. But I'm also teaching, um, I have a lot of um, independent study students and graduate students. 
Um, and I think one of the things that has been um, interesting and great is that now I think there's a lot of lot lot. Um, I mean, I think there's still a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversation in in the physical studio, but I think um, that has continued, and I think that's good. So I'm um, still engaged with each individual student. I have phone conversations, and we have Zoom meetings. Um, I'm sad that I can't actually physically um, see the things that they make because I think it's very important to um, be in the presence of the work physically in the same space. Um, and it's not the same to just see uh, a video um, of the work that they're um, working on. So, but yeah, I think, you know, I try to maintain one-on-one um, -on -one conversation with all of my students. Have you seen uh, kind of in you know all of these different collaborations with students, whether that be undergrad studios or grad students, have you seen the way that you're teaching students affect your own process? You mean in general? Or yeah, like as an artist, do you feel like as you're creating, have you noticed that the more you work with teaching students and working with um, them on their own projects that maybe it's affected the way that you approach your own work? Oh yeah, I think so very much. Not just because, you know, I think that's very much kind of the community of artists, you know, that kind of interaction. Um, and, you know, I consider each one of my students as, you know, individual artists and that is kind of the nature of um, art making just you know, having conversations and being, you know, influenced and inspired by other um, work that others, other artists make. And um, I think, um, you know, I often say and think that, you know, best way to learn something really well is having to teach it to someone. And I think in that sense, um, that has really been helpful. Um, for me too, and really just being inspired by um, all of the students. And it, that's kind of in some ways the, the, um, the thing that also keeps me on my toes and keeps me getting back into my studio and, and working. So, you know, uh, what is your, like, do you, you know, for, so I, I, as people who have listened to this know that I was a creative writing major and last week when we were, or last episode, I should say, when we were talking to Darren Kennedy, I was talking about how, we talked about how important it is for writers to have a dedicated time where they just sit down. And even if it's just one sentence that comes out to get something out, is that something that's similar with visual art or is it more, do you, do you feel that you have to sit down or not, maybe not sit down, but go to your studio every single day and, and create something or is it more nuanced than that for you? I think everybody has different ways of working, but I think in general, it's true that um, that it is, there are things that we do that kind of keeps us engaged and that could be just um, daily drawings that you do, um, which, I mean, there are a lot of things that I think we all do as creative individuals that doesn't actually become a thing at the end. Um, and for me, I think a lot of the times, the way that I try to um, kind of engage in my studio practice is drawing. Um, and sometimes, you know, some of the things that I was drawing and thinking about because I was drawing something becomes, becomes something five or 10 years later. Um, and I kind of think about that in terms of kind of similar to you know, if you're an athlete, you do, you know, physical training, that's not necessarily that sport that you do. Um, um, you know, you have this kind of daily thing that you do. 
and I may not be in, in the studio making a print all the time, um, but I'm always kind of engaged in some kind of activity that engages my mind creatively and also my body um, in some kind of a mode of making things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as, as an academic, and with the kind of the semester schedule that I have, um, I have certain days when all I can do is teach. And especially because our studio classes are long. So, you know, each time we meet, it's three hours. So if I have two classes, six solid hours of, of that day is, you know, just teaching um, in the studio. So, you know, during semester, I would have certain days when I am at school engaged in teaching and doing other necessary um, departmental work. And then on other days, I set aside to um, go to the studio. And yeah, like you said, sometimes all I do is maybe, you know, move things around a little bit and make a couple of drawings. Um, so it's not always um, in the kind of production mode, but sometimes when I get into that production mode, I may be, you know, in the studio, you know, 12, 14 hours just making things. So it can vary. And definitely, you know, I do take advantage of um, summertime when I can really intensively just get in the studio um, more often than um, during the regular semester. I like your comparison there of, you know, like an athlete who goes to the gym and they may not be competing in their, you know, sport or whatever, but they're keeping themselves fit and in tune. I like that as something similar for artists that you have to flex those muscles daily, whether it's something very small, like you said, doing a simple drawing or even just going to your studio and, and moving things around, you know, to keep yeah. that part of your brain functioning. I like that a lot. Yeah, and I think that's the that's kind of both um, something that's great, but also sometimes scary that you just have to trust that it will become something. It may not become anything for a, a while, but then it's just that accumulation of the things that you do, you know, sometimes comes back and becomes something really interesting and exciting that that you work on. Have you seen, you know, like, so in your studio classes, um, I'm kind of curious about how you help students who may be struggling, maybe not even with the form, but with finding their voice. Is there some kind of advice you give them or uh, some kind of way you can facilitate them maybe becoming comfortable expressing themselves? Hmm. I think it depends, but I think, um, sometimes I think it's just because that, um, they don't trust that what they're interested in or um, that, that they're thinking about is important. I think first just allowing them to um, think that whatever they're thinking is valid and to pursue that um, and, and pursue it passionately, you know, for a long time, um, I think that's, one of the first steps because I think perhaps they're struggling because they like something but they're not sure if this is important and I think um, to to help them think that 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 is important and that that's worth worth pursuing is maybe one of the things that I try to do um, but also just kind of letting them um, know that the result may not come immediately and um you know you just keep working on it and sometimes you fail sometimes it doesn't work out but then all of those things accumulated will become something that's meaningful and i think that's kind of it kind of relates to you know that kind of daily studio practice, I think. Um, and that's why you do that kind of daily studio practice, even though it may just be a little drawing that, that you, you do, but 
know, at the end, all of that combined is what becomes a meaningful work, I think. I like the way you tied that together there, you know, that you just, <laughs> just have to keep moving forward and, and keep working it out and, and, and to it, you know, practice makes not necessarily perfect, but it definitely makes it easier to, to get into that groove and find what you're trying to say as an artist or writer or any kind of creative medium yeah but I mean it's not like I I, I have it all figured out you know but yeah I think it's but then at the same time that's what also keeps me just keep going back trying to figure it out I think that's something that you know having talked to a couple different people now who have you know, even just in general, a researcher even who's in the sciences or something like that, like that goal to always be pushing further and learn more and more, I think is a really important lesson to learn and no matter what you do, but especially in the creative world, because I think there's this idea that, you know, you, you will reach a point where maybe it becomes easier or, you know, you're, you're always going to be doing your best work. And really, it's a, it's a lot of starting over and trying things and having them not work that makes you keep moving forward. Yeah, and I think sometimes just that's what also um, is exciting, I think. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that recently I started um, making ceramics. And it really, you know, I didn't really know anything, um, all the different kind of ways you can make ceramic objects. So I really had to start from the beginning, taking workshops, learning how to think. Um, three-dimensionally and just all of the technical aspect of it and in some ways it's frustrating that you know I, I've gotten so good at making prints that you know I know I can predict how it's gonna the, what the outcome will be um, well not all the time but a lot of the times um, but you know this this relationship I think that we have as artists with materials, I kind of think about that as a collaborative, collaborative process. You know, the material and the process itself is your collaborator. You sort of, there's like this push and pull um, and you're working with the material and having um, different process and different material it's frustrating because I don't know what's going to happen, but then it's also really exciting um, because it's like working with a new collaborator and there's so much um, possibility and also permission to fail because it's a new thing. Um, and also um, exciting because you can really try things that, um, try things differently because sometimes we do kind of get in get set in our ways with the things that we know how to do so well. I like that as well. I think that's a great analogy. The, the collaboration there is a really cool way to look at an artist and their tools, you know, that you're 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 trying to figure out how to work together, which I think is a really cool way to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kind of as we're winding down this chat, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like, do you have um, you know, advice for aspiring artists who maybe want to, you know, pursue art at KU or maybe already are at KU but are thinking about wanting to get into something like this? Do you have some some thoughts on ways that young artists can continue to grow but also prepare themselves for in coming to KU for art or pursuing art in in some way at a higher level, a higher education institution? Um, is there a way you can and prepare for that, uh, a rigorous education in the arts? Hmm. I think in general, um, I mean, I guess I can talk about KU specifically, um, but I think also in general, um, I think, you know, it's really important to kind of trust yourself and think in long term. Um, there'll be rewards along the way as you're working through things, but I think um, sometimes just this whole accumulation of experience and successes and failures and, you know, all of that is what leads to a meaningful um, creative life. Um, 
But for KU specifically, and also um, with the Department of Visual Art, I think one of the things that we're really great um, with is the community. I think we have a really supportive and engaging um, community that allows students to really move around to different areas and different mediums and access to all the different um, professors and in instructors and their peers and graduate students. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the um, strengths that we have in the department and, you know, just engaging, um, you know, wholeheartedly to the community, I think, is how you become inspired and engaged and, um, and able to really pursue that creative um, drive that, that, that they have coming into the program. That was a great answer. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Um, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to talk about while you um, have the floor? I, I would, if there's anything about your work you'd like to touch on more or anything like that, um, those are kind of the questions. I've already hit all my questions, so I'm happy to open it up to you if there's something you'd like to talk about. Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess, uh, I guess you, you, you can just probably edit this out, but who's, who are the audience? Um, the goal, I think, with this is to get researchers, you know, kind of more visible. Um, we want our faculty to kind of shine, but also we want to bring forward their stories. So that's kind of the, that's the goal with this. So then our audience typically tends to be like alums, um, you know, current students. So that's why I ask questions about process and how you got where you are, because I don't think, uh, you know, having been a student at KU roughly 10 years ago, I, I, I had one teacher who was a creative writing teacher who said, you know, here's what I did step by step and here's all the places that I had successes and failures. And that was the first time I'd ever had any faculty member give us any peek into how to go forward. I wanted to use this podcast to kind of show people, here's how these people got to where they are. So if you're interested, here's a resource, here's someone you can contact or those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, in some ways, you know, I think often, um, there are questions about, um, you know, what job can you get with a visual art degree? Mm -hmm. um, and I think in some ways, um, the same reason, the way that the kind of things that we do and the kind of, um, 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 you know, things that people think about um, when they're thinking about um, certain degrees or education um, leading directly to a certain kind of uh, job. Um, and one could, I think, think about that in a very limiting way that because there isn't um, this kind of guaranteed um, job that you would get after this degree that that is a necessarily a, that that's a negative thing but i think in in some ways um it, it doesn't just apply to creative fields but for everything and i sort of like reflect on my career because you were kind of talking about you know thinking about your own professor um kind of talking about specifics of what led to this next thing and, and so on. Um, I think that's kind of how my career evolved as well. You know, I sort of took what made sense and what, what, what the best thing that I can do in this situation, what can I get out of this um, class or this experience or this professor and then find something that um, really inspires me or works for me. And then that leads to a, the next thing that I pursue. And then, and then the next thing, and it kind of goes on like that. 
And I think um, a degree um, like this allows you to kind of think in that way as well, kind of finding um, what is the thing that you do really well and what can, what, what, what can, um, the best thing that you can make out of that situation can lead you to something else and then lead you to something, another thing. And I think I kind of think about my career in that way because when I was starting um, my, you know, in high school thinking about being an artist, there was no way that I could specifically think about being a printmaker and teaching at another country in Kansas um, and teaching printmaking. Um, so just thinking about what you have currently and what you can do and what you can gain from that experience and how you can make use that to um, do the next thing and the next thing. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of interesting like you said, to hear how one thing led to another thing and another thing um, with, uh, with um, like your professor, for example. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's something that I, I, we're trying to be a little more transparent with students, you know, that like, because there's, there's a lot of fear, you know, with parents who, you know, they hear their child wants to get, like you said, a, a visual art degree or a theater degree or, um, you know, even a, a classics degree or something like that. And they're like, well, what are you going to do with it? And we're trying to be more transparent and say, yes, you're not going to walk out of the graduation and into a $70,000 a year job like you might do with some finance degree. But through, you know, the degree itself and what you can learn from it, you yeah. will eventually be able to find something that is not only financially rewarding, but hopefully is rewarding beyond that. Yeah, and very and meaningful. Yes. And, and, you know, this is something that, you know, people often talk about now is that, you know, there, you can't, I, I even felt that too, that I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't have this job necessarily in this place in mind when I was getting my degree, but, you know, it, it, it became this, which I'm very happy um, to have this um, job and my career as an artist. Um, but yeah, I think some things that people say about, you know, career these days is the thing that exists now, you know, you don't know what career there will be in the future. So I think rather than training a student to um, have a training for a specific job right now, I think it's more inspiring and important to kind of um, allow them to um, be more um, independent thinkers and creative thinkers and just kind of um, creating an atmosphere and environment, um, the educational atmosphere and environment that um, encourages that rather than saying that this, you get this degree and you'll have this job. Yeah, I just feel like it's so stifling, you know, right off the bat to say like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I think it's, I, I mean, I get it. Graduating is scary, and it's scary when you don't have something you can quickly answer when someone says, what's next? But yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm still very young. I'm only in my early 30s, but I have noticed in the 10 years or so I've been out of school that, like, sometimes not having the answer has been the most exciting part. Yeah, and I sort of, like, just kind of, you know, and I also think about how, you know, most of the students all their life they were in school you know they didn't know a life outside of school <laughs> graduate so i think that's part of it too it's sort of like when you go abroad and travel and it's everything is different and you sort of have to reassess yourself and your place and what you think about um 
And I think that's a good thing because being in a place where you are um, a little bit uncomfortable and there's a little bit of uncertainty, but there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, I like that too. That's a nice little button on all of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Yumi. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us uh, for our podcast. You know, it's a kind of a, a weird time, but this was a nice conversation. Yeah, thank you. I was actually just thinking because I have, um, I printed out pictures of my students um, in front of me so I can see their faces while we're doing the, you know, long distance, you know, teaching. Um, so it's kind of been nice as I was talking to you, I've just been looking at my students' faces that are taped in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I feel like I was just kind of talking to them too. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.